أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope everyone is doing well inshallah and welcome to another episode of our Tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast in the previous episode, we were discussing um, these lines from Dua Kumil in which Ali ibn Abi Talib is talking about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was watching him beyond the two angels watching him. Uh, the previous episode, we talked about how these two angels, how they function, how they go about things. We also talked about how other than the two angels, there are also other things that will, other beings, I should say, or other entities that are witnessing the deeds of the human being. So if you look at the hierarchy, you're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the very top. Then the Imam of our time, we have multiple ahadith about this is the next one. Then beyond that, you have the two angels that are specific to each and every human being. Beyond that, the further you go, then you have the earth that someone is walking on. And also in some ahadith we have that the time in which, or the time of the day or night in which someone commits a deed the time of the day will also bear witness to uh, his deed. Now, what does that mean exactly? That may be metaphorical speech. I won't comment on that. That's that's something that we really have to uh, see what is meant there. But the point that Ali ibn Abi Talib was making was that, Ya Allah, there are situations where you are watching beyond the two angels watching me. And when he says beyond them, usually what he means, you know, usually when we're talking about this concept, we're talking about, the angels are watching us and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also watching at the same time. Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, no, you were watching when it came to those things that were hidden from them. Okay, so this was the beginning of our discussion and we didn't get a chance to really go in depth into it. So Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying there are certain things that are hidden from the angels. Wait a second. We always thought and we were always taught you know, if you go back to your to your Sunday school uh, days, really, uh, what your teacher always taught you, and unfortunately, some teachers, uh, you know, we should say what they what they scared you, what they made you scared of, uh, as a child. Unfortunately, that's one big issue that we have in our Sunday schools, the content, and you know, Islamic weekend schools, the content that is taught, and even in Islamic schools, you know, full time Islamic schools, the content that is taught is just so, especially when it comes to hellfire and heaven. Um, first of all, some of it is just not correct. Secondly, you will find that there's always this very, very scary picture of death and a very, very scary uh, a picture uh, of what the day of judgment is going to look like and what the grave is going to be like. And, you know, I've seen textbooks in which kids who are seven or eight years of age, the textbook is talking about the details of how they're going to be questioned in the grave. So these are obviously, you know, a serious issue that we have. Um, and of course, that's a, that's a topic for another time. But if you go back to your Sunday school days, what you remember is your teacher telling you that no matter what you do, the angels will see what you're doing. They're always watching you. They're always witnessing whatever it is that you're doing. And yet, Ali ibn Abi Talib here, he is saying, You are watching when they cannot see what I'm doing. Or you are watching when there are things that are hidden from them. Okay. We said that we have hadith, and there's multiple hadith about this. I'll go through one of them. This one is narrated in the book of Al-Kafi. 
um, and the narration comes from the sixth Imam, as is the case with so many of our hadith in the book of Al-Kafi. You know, maybe 70% of it is uh, narrated from uh, the sixth Imam, Salawatullahi Muawiyah ibn Wahhab, famous companion of the sixth Imam, he says, I heard the sixth Imam and he was talking. Uh, and he was talking about Tawbah. And he said, When a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he does Tawbah, when he performs Tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him. Now there's a point in this before I move on. The reason why we have so many ahadith that say, and we have this in the verses of the Quran, that inna allaha yuhibbu tawwabin. The reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he loves the, the person who does tawbah, the key point in that is that, you know, usually when someone forgives you, right, if you messed up and then you go to that person and that person forgives you, normally what happens is that, that you go back to being, you know, starting from zero again in terms of building your trust with this individual, in terms of this person, you know, coming close to you, being close to you, right? If you had a friend who you had wronged for a number of years, right? And then after a while, you go back to him and say, you know what, forgive me for what I did. You don't automatically become beloved in his eyes, right? Because you asking for forgiveness is not, in terms of your relationship with him, it's not a way of showing him any kindness, right? So if you ask for forgiveness, you just go from being, you know, your relationship with him being like a minus going to zero, right? And now you have to work from zero upwards and of course I'm just using this analogy so we could better understand it right like the love that they have for you was in the it was in the minus right it was a minus 10 or minus 20 you ask them for forgiveness now it's a zero right and then now you got to like build your relationship again so now you you have to do things to show your kindness to then become beloved in their eyes but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says I love the one who does tawbah that means when you do tawbah, automatically you go from minus to a plus. You don't go back to zero, right? You don't start from scratch again. And this is a really, really big deal because one of the things that shaitan uses all the time to get us to delay our tawbah is this very concept that, oh, well, you messed up. Even now, if you want to start working your way back towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's such a difficult path. It's such a arduous path, as they say. And, you know, like there's you're going to go and you're going to you're really going to go back and start from scratch is what, you know, shaitan will try to tell us. But the reality is that the Quran and in particular, this hadith is telling us, no, the moment someone does tawbah, they don't go back to zero. They are automatically beloved. Their relationship is in the plus already. This is a very, very key point. When I do tawbah, my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not go back to square one. No, it's past square one because he already is telling me that he loves me. Now, yes, do I have to build my faith? Do I have to build my relationship for it to get back to what it might have been, you know, before I committed the sin? Yes, of course. But it's not that I'm going back to square one. Okay. So Muawiyah ibn Wahhab, Wahhab, he says, I was hearing the sixth Imam saying this, that when a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala genuinely does tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves him. And because he loves him, there's a natural result to this. He will cover up his deed in this world and in the next world. So Muawiyah ibn Wahhab, he asks the sixth Imam, a question of course he understands what is it what does it mean that he would cover up his deed in this world that naturally means 
that if it's in his best interest, the sin that he committed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow others to find out about it. Okay, now this is not a blanket statement. Sometimes if it is in someone's best interest, this might happen. They might be exposed. This is just, you know, this is just uh, the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, but for most cases, he will hide it from others. So Muawiyah starts asking, he says, how does God hide up his deeds or cover up his deeds when it comes to the Akhirah? Because the dunya he already understands. Then the Imam starts to explain. He says, when it comes to the Akhirah, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. And this is the point that Ali ibn Abi Talib is making in the dua. Yunsi ma kataba min that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the angels forget the sins that they wrote down for this individual. Okay. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals and essentially commands the organs of this individual, the limbs of this individual. So he tells the limbs of the body of this individual to also forget that those limbs committed this sin. Think about this. Like I committed a sin with my hand, my feet, for example, whatever the case might be, right? Maybe I stole something with my hand. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the hand forget about it. Okay, well, the actual hadith is saying, Uktumi. So he tells them to cover it up, right? To not share it. And he also reveals to the different parts of the earth that you also whatever sins this servant of mine used to do upon you you also cover it up okay what is the result of this this individual shows up on the day of judgment he meets allah subhanahu wa and no one is there to bear witness against him that he committed this sin or that sin. The angels have forgotten about it and his limbs, they're quiet. The earth that he was walking on, they are quiet as well, okay? Now, you might say, well, what's the point of hiding this? What's the point of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing all of this? Why not the earth or his limbs or the angels, they continue to know about the sin of this individual and they bear witness against him, but God just forgives him on the day of judgment. Why not just do that? What's the point of, you know, covering it up in this way? One might say that the reason for this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want his servant to even feel the embarrassment, to even feel that pressure from the previous sins that he has committed. Okay, so if he's committed sins in the past, and now he's repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted his tawbah. This is as if those sins never happened. As if they never happened. And we have hadith for this as well. That when someone does tawbah, it's as if he never committed those sins. How does that happen? Well, this is one of the ways where it manifests itself. Where even the angels, everyone who was supposed to bear witness against this guy on the day of judgment, it's not that they will bear witness and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, you know what, he did tawbah from it. Let's not worry about it. No, they do not even bear witness. So this guy shows up on the day of judgment and this would apply to you know many of us if, if inshallah our tawbah is a genuine one. This guy shows up on the day of judgment and there is no one to bear witness against him. And to other people there, it would look like this person never even did anything wrong. Some, some, so someone might say the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does it in this way 
is because he doesn't want his servant to feel embarrassed not even in his presence not in the presence of the other servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment we know the day of judgment is the day where everything starts to be unveiled everything comes out right everything is exposed all the secrets come out on that day well if all the secrets come out on that on that day then what about all these terrible things that i've done Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that if someone does tawbah from them and it's sincere it's genuine and he sticks to it then what happens these sins will not even be presented on that day on the day of judgment it's very interesting you know sometimes you hear uh, inspirational speakers motivational speakers they speak of the power of your intention they speak of the power of uh, you know being intentional about the things that you do right and sometimes you'll hear them you'll say they'll say that you know if you make an intention or you make a decision the world around you will start to change now in Quran and Hadith we have that exact same concept a tawbah when we say someone does tawbah it's not like they get up and they actually do something. A lot of times tawbah refers to the idea that, you know, it's something that happens deep down inside of the human being. It's a decision that they make. It's a regret that they feel and a decision that they make to never go back to that sin. Now, of course, sometimes, you know, with some sins, you have to make up for them and all that kind of stuff. That, that's all correct. But the tawbah itself is something that happens deep down in the heart. So essentially, it's an intention that you make. And all of a sudden, in reality... The whole world starts to change around you. You made one intention, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to literally, not metaphorically, literally, He starts to change the world around you because He's telling your limbs to do one thing. He's telling the earth or the land on which you committed a sin to do something. He is taking away knowledge from the two angels that were writing things. This is you making an intention and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really changing the world around you. Okay, moving on from this. This is why the next line says this. It was through your mercy and because of your mercy, Ya Allah, that you hid these sins from these two angels. It was out of your grace that you veiled these sins. Moving on. Okay. So if you paid attention, these last, you know, a number of the lines that we went through up until this point, a number of the phrases that we covered up until this point, Ali ibn Abi Talib was talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgiving his sins. Okay. Now that he's done with this idea of, Ya Allah, please forgive my sins. And if you remember, he had a sense of urgency in it. He said, right? Forgive for me on this night and in this moment. Right? So he was very urgent about it. Now that he's done with asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive his sins, now the path is ready. The foundation is there for him to now ask for the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, the forgiveness of the sins is one thing. That's the thing that comes first. Once he's done with that, then he says, Ya Allah, now that my sins are forgiven, if you can also essentially shower me with your blessings from every blessing that you send down, every blessing that you send down to every servant of yours, I want a share of that. Or every kindness that you show to somebody. Or every kindness or forgive me, every goodness that, that you spread amongst the people. Or every essentially 
provision or rizq or sustenance that you provide, and then Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, which we'll talk about in just a second. But the point is here that you cannot ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of these blessings unless first and foremost the sins of a human being are removed from him. Okay? We talked about this before in the dua as well. If you remember at the very beginning of the dua, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib was saying that, Ya Allah, forgive these types of sins for me. Allahumma ghfir liya dhunuba allati tahtikul isam. Allahumma ghfir liya dhunuba allati, you know, tughayrun ni'am. All these different types of sins. Then when he was done with all of that, then he said, Allahumma inni ataqarrabu ilayka bidhikrik. Ya Allah, now I am going to come close to you through your remembrance. Right? It's the same pattern here as well. First, it's the forgiveness of the sins. Then once the sins are forgiven, then Ya Allah, I want all of these blessings. And this goes back to that concept we talked about before. That as long as someone is walking in the path and in the lifestyle where he commits sins and he has not turned away from those sins, he is not coming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He cannot come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you repent from those sins, then you are back on the right side of the highway, so to speak. But when I'm committing sins and I'm not repenting from them, okay, I'm moving on the wrong side of the highway. I'm moving away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if I do good deeds, those good deeds are not going to have its full effect. Okay. Yes, will they make up for the punishments and that kind of stuff? Yes, it will make up for that. But am I going to build faith? Am I going to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. Because when I sin, I am doing those things that the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do. Not that I am an enemy of Allah. There's a big difference between the two, right? You can, you, there are people who are munafiq. There are people who act like a munafiq at times. Similarly, there are people who are enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are those who act or function like the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at times. And that's all of us when we commit a sin. Therefore, when I'm acting like an enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no room for me to come close to Him. So the first thing I have to do is what? Is I have to repent. I have to get rid of these bad deeds. And then I can come back to Him. So you find this pattern again here. Like I mentioned, it, this is also repeated at the very beginning of the dua as well. Okay, now he reaches this point. Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi. Ya Rabbi, of course, in the, you know, when you look at the handwritings, if you recited the dua, of course, on Thursday nights, you know, uh, if they have it up on the screen, for example, you will find it just says Ya Rab, but it has a kasra, so it's Ya Rabbi, which essentially is uh, replacing a Ya at the end of the word. So essentially this word is saying, my Lord. So it's really Ya Rabbi, okay? Um, but in Arabic, they have some rules where they, they will uh, essentially remove the Ya at the end for, you know, th those are just grammatical things that we have in Arabic. So it's Ya Rabbi we are calling out three times. Now, the point I want to make here is this. This phrase of Ya Rabbi, which is, of course, repeated in the dua three times, a lot of times you will find people, they recite this three time, three more times, okay? And another three more times. So essentially, it'll end up being nine times, whereas in the dua, it is really three times. Now, the, f the interesting thing is that a lot of people will assume that the word Ya Rabbi is actually nine times in the dua, or they will assume that we have been instructed to recite this part of the dua like, you know, three times over, right? 
And the reality is we do not have such a thing. We do not have such a recommendation. Now, of course, you know, sometimes people who are reciting will do it. Um, there's different reasons why someone might do it. Important thing is to not recite the extra times as if it is part of the du'a. What is the reason behind this, right? And of course, this is not to say that if someone does it with that intention, you know, it's it's bad or it's terrible. No, it's, it's nothing like that. But there is a reason that when a du'a is given to us, we are recommended to recite it in the way that it was given to us. So we're going to talk about that, inshallah, in the next episode. If someone recites it without that intention that it's part of the du'a, there's no problem. But when you do it and your intention is this is part of the du'a, it's not a good thing to do. And we'll talk about why, how one of the companions of the fifth imam changed the du'a that the imam had given to him and the way that the imam responded to him and reacted to him. So that, inshallah, we'll talk about in the next episode and how changing these du'as can at times have theological uh, results and uh, implications. Until then, keep us in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.